She'd helped during her travels. Her friends were uniformly stunned at Melissa's transformation. It seemed as though she'd gone from party girl to Mother Teresa virtually overnight. But Melissa didn't see much of her friends anymore. Her charity work kept her plenty busy, likely too busy to ask for a divorce. Right up until the day she'd come home early from a trip to Botswana to find Saul in flagrante with a young co-ed who'd apparently volunteered to work on a more personal style of welfare reform. Melissa had announced her intention to get a divorce that same night. Three weeks later, Saul reported her missing. And when her SUV had been found abandoned on a lonely stretch of the Pacific Coast Highway, the contents of her purse strewn across the passenger seat and the glove compartment rifled. It was initially believed that Melissa had been the victim of a robbery murder and that her body had been dumped in the ocean. But that made very little sense to Bailey and me. Why would a robber accost a woman in an SUV out on the Pacific Coast Highway? And even if he did, why bother to dump the body? Why not just kill her and take her money? We'd been skeptical, and so when Dorian Strzok, our favorite criminalist, finished with the SUV, we made fast tracks to the house where Saul and Melissa lived. Sure enough, we found evidence of a struggle in the garage. And then Dorian went back over the car with a fine-tooth comb. Not only did she find a wad of money zipped into a pocket in Melissa's purse, what robber would have left that money behind? Or the purse, for that matter. But she also found blood on the passenger side of the car. Though we didn't yet have DNA confirmation, preliminary tests indicated it was likely Melissa's. And then we'd learned that Melissa had a prenup, stipulating that in the event of divorce, Saul would only get a share of the money Melissa had earned on her own after the marriage, which was basically zilch. And we'd found out that Saul owned a boat that was docked in the marina close to their home, but far from the place where Melissa's car had been found which meant it would have been easy for Saul to dump her body in the ocean and then leave her car many miles away, north of Point Magoo. So even if a witness happened to see him in the marina that night, it would play like an alibi, putting him far from the scene of Melissa's murder. In short, we had a pretty decent case. Evidence of a violent confrontation, a blood trace to show how the body had been moved, access to the means of body disposal, and motive of the wazoo. If it hadn't been for the fact that we didn't have a body, it would have been a no-brainer. But that fact was a real headache in this case, given Melissa's globe-trotting lifestyle. And there was one additional wrinkle to the she's-not-dead defense that was problematic. Melissa, having found Saul in bed with another woman, had a reason to disappear and let him take the fall for her murder. Besides, she didn't have to be vindictive enough to send him away for life. She could always show up after a few months and tell everyone she hadn't known what was going on over here, that she'd decided to cool off and spend time working for some new charity no one knew about in Malaysia. It was a reasonable doubt case that was tailor-made for a not guilty if the defense found the right jury. So Bailey had spent months contacting every friend, relative, and acquaintance who'd ever known Melissa, then scoured every database for hospitals, jails, and charities of all stripes around the world to prove that Melissa wasn't just out feeding the starving children in Angola. But would it be enough to convince the jury? That was the big question. Damn it, have you heard a word I said, Knight? Bailey asked, hands on hips. Almost all of them, I lied. Got any particular one in mind? Bailey gave me an exasperated look and pushed the photograph of the SUV face down on the table next to my desk. 
Quit staring at that thing and listen. I've got good news. I sat up straighter. Why didn't you say so? I swear to God, Knight, I'll hurt you. I crossed my arms, unimpressed. Bailey might be taller than me. And okay, maybe she's got a little more lean muscle. But I've got firearms, a great leveler. Even as we spoke, a thirty-eight Special was resting peacefully in its holster in my bottom desk drawer. This had never worried Bailey in the past, so I don't know why I thought it would now. And it didn't. Unperturbed, Bailey continued. We got DNA on the spot of blood on the back of the passenger seat. It's Melissa. So now it's nailed down. They can't claim it could just be anybody, including the robber. She dropped the lab report on my desk. Not as good as finding her body, but better than nothing, I guess. How big's the spot? Bailey held up her right thumb. I sighed. That's it?